Hello everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Wharton Impact Podcast hosted by the Wharton Social Impact Club. Together, we explore the intersection of business and meaningful impact. I am your host Shoya Malhotra and today we have Mr. Cory Donovan, Executive Director of Impact PHL. Cory previously worked in tech where he founded the company Fur Alert and is now actively involved in shaping the impact ecosystem in Philadelphia. Join us as we discuss how social impact has evolved in Philly, Impact PHL's role in getting impact investors to think locally, and the upcoming Total Impact Summit. Hi, Cory. Welcome to the Wharton Impact Podcast. We're really excited to have you here today. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for thanks for the invite. Can you start off by talking about your journey and how you got interested in impact in Philadelphia? Sure. It was really a bit of a right place, right time thing. Prior to launching, helping to launch Impact PHL, I worked in the tech uh, industry and in and, and growing tech startups world. Uh, but growing up, I, we didn't have much. So I think the idea of uh, equity and inclusivity naturally makes sense to me and draws me. Uh, one friend also told me that she noticed that Anything that's injustice-oriented um, tends to draw me in. So I think when I met the folks who became the founding board of Impact PHL, they told me what they're doing. I think that was sort of uh, instinctively something that drew me in. And seeing how we, how we tend to think about the world and the economy and what we do and how we leverage resources, etc. So, you know, the idea that we invest our money with our right hand and you know uh and we donate with our left hand and our right hand often creates the problems and our left hand fixes them especially when our right hand is creating problems at a larger scale and a faster rate then our left hand can fix them you know that to me just you know i've always been sort of like a, okay does that make sense kind of guy and um you know uh and not surprisingly in many ways we're going backwards but yeah uh, i think that's what uh, drew me into Impact PHL and what we're doing and the fact that we're sort of focused locally. I've always been very much a community-centric kind of person. So I think that all just became a natural fit. Great to hear about how your values made you pivot from tech to social impact. And since you brought up Impact PHL, right, would love to understand what exactly is Impact PHL and what are the different ways that it's involved in creating and developing social impact in Philadelphia? Right. Yeah. Uh, I think we are a little bit of a special little flower, so it's hard sometimes for people to kind of put their hands on it. So we, we're focused on growing the impact investing or values-aligned investing. Uh, I don't really care what terminology people put on. I, I, I think values investing is nice because it you know, um, just said, hey, kind of keeps it simple. But you know, we're, we're involved in growing that ecosystem here in the Philadelphia region. So getting beyond the small, enlightened, quote, unquote, usual suspects and expanding it and normalizing it so that hopefully pretty much everyone is doing it. Uh, I describe us as an advocacy organization primarily. We don't do policy, but it's uh, more of a drink milk campaign in terms of engaging high net worth individuals, family offices, foundations, first and foremost, engaging them in the conversation to make sure they um, and hopefully better understand where and how their money is invested and whether it does align with their values. I can tell you that most people don't fully understand. So that's the first thing. Uh, I think uh, a lot of times they're surprised when they start asking questions if they haven't already about what their money is actually doing out there. And that's the start to the conversation. But our North Star is really, um, what, the way I describe it is adding local as a lens through which we should evaluate our investments, right? So if all of your money is scooped up and swept to Wall Street, 
um, and invested in things that are creating worse outcomes for the Philadelphia region. Um, does that make sense to you? And and adding local as a lens, part of that is um, there are local investments that do the opposite. They create a better Philadelphia, they create solutions for the world, social enterprises, intentional real estate development, and impact investing funds. Um, so I always tell people while you live here and your kids go to school here and or you grew up here, you work here, you volunteer in your community, but your money's not invested here. That's the one thing that's not community-centric about you. Does that make sense? And if so, why is that? And we can talk more about that. And then our call to action, which I, again, I think is fairly self-evident once you start having these conversations with those people, whether that's their money or a foundation that they sit on the board of, or it's a family office or family money, is that then there's a visibility problem, right? Because, you know, okay, great. That sounds interesting. How do I do that? What's possible? What's on the menu? And so then we become, a, the way I think about it, it's a little bit of an information desk to identify local investment opportunities. So, hey, you care about this issue. Here's something that exists here locally that is creating positive outcomes on that. Um, would that be of interest to you? We don't manage money. We don't provide financial advice. But I think that advocacy and that information desk role is a key component. Um, there's still some other challenges a little further down the, the pipeline, if you will, in terms of like due diligence and products and services. We can talk more about that. But without the advocacy and the information desk, none of the other stuff matters at, at the moment. No, this is interesting how you're bringing this local lens and this advocacy role um, and bringing these high, high net worth individuals in the conversation around where exactly their money is being used and that's clearly not local. And so I'd like to deep dive a bit on this, right? I'd like to understand, like love to get your thoughts on how the local impact investing scene in Philadelphia has actually grown um, amongst impact investors within Philly. And like, what are some of the, what, what are some aspects of the, impact ecosystem in Philly that have you know been overlooked over the last few years that you're now trying to solve for? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think first and foremost, Philadelphia has a long legacy in this idea of, again, the terminology may change, but you know, aligning financial assets with values. Um, people may or may not know that the Quakers, you know, um, refuse to invest in slavery. Uh, so there's a, there's a legitimate legacy long-term and then here in Philadelphia, for those familiar with B Lab, you know, which is founded here in the Philadelphia region and leading a worldwide movement of business doing good. Um, Judy Wicks, who launched the White Dog Cafe, which I'm sure everyone's familiar with White Dog, but may not know Judy's name. You know, she sourced local ingredients when she was running that and then made what many might consider to be a surprising move to give that list away because she was serious about sustainability and local sourcing. Um, she realized that she could be selfish about it. And now she's leading all together now PA uh, to connect local supply chains, rural and um, um, cities in the, in Pennsylvania in particular. Ben Franklin Technology Partners has investing has been investing since the 80s in local tech companies with an emphasis on creating local jobs. And that was pretty innovative. Um, PIDC itself, Investor Circle, I think, which is at the core of one of the cores of Impact PHL. These are high net worth individuals that are investing their own money, um, oftentimes doing their own due diligence most times. And I think at one point they were the oldest and most active chapter. I don't know if both are still true, you know, and they are part of the founding emphasis of Impact PHL as well. So some of those parties, as well as many others, kind of came together to form Impact PHL to say, how do we get beyond, as I think I said before, the, the enlightened few 
right? Those of us who are doing this to say, you know, we can't fund all of this. We need more capital. We need more momentum behind this. Uh, and so how do we create more people that are looking at aligning their financial assets with their values? You know, Philadelphia, I, I'm getting off topic here a little bit, but we have a lot of very big problems in Philadelphia. Um, so we almost become the perfect Petri dish for uh, if we're going to create an inclusive, sustainable, and resilient regional economy um, and to solve Philadelphia's problems, we have to get beyond that two-pocket model I described earlier to engineer a local economy um, that you know prevents creating the problems at a scale that can't be fixed by governmental or nonprofit solutions. No, and like just for context, I was in White Dog Cafe just yesterday, and it's absolutely wonderful to hear about the work that Judy has done. And so this is great. It seems like Impact PHL was formed with a wide list of partners. A lot of people came together for this noble cause, right? But then let's also talk about the stakeholders who are currently skeptical about local impact investing in Philadelphia, why they are skeptical, and how are you productizing social impact in Philly to you know, counter these skeptics? Well, I think we could probably answer this in a couple of different ways. I think first and foremost, what I would say, and I really do believe this, that the idea of investing in your own community is fairly self-evident. And I actually had the chief investment officer of a outsourced CIO recently say that to me uh, without me prompting it. So I really do think that the idea of why aren't we investing more of our own capital in our own community beyond the donating and the giving back and the volunteering I think that's fairly self-evident when you break it down for people like that. It's just that the, the models we use and the fact that we outsource our, our financial uh, management to other people um, and that we don't really know where our money is invested and where it's going, I, I think some of that clouds. But when you talk to people, when I talk to people, um, I think that that's self-evident that they're interested in that instinctively. Now, what do I do? What's possible? How do I do it? Those are other questions. So but going back to your question about being skeptical, you know, then I think there are some questions, there may be some assumptions, you know, is it concessionary? What's possible? Can I really make money? Why isn't anyone else doing this? I think that's more a matter of there's lots of people doing it. It's just not as easy to see. Um, and it's not as easy. It's not as easy to see what's possible in the products and the, the investment opportunities. It's also not as easy to see who's doing it, right? Because in the public markets, much easier to see who the active and players are. Um, so that's the first thing I would say. Certainly, I think there's a little bit of reframing and, well, this is the way we've always done it, especially when you get to um, the, I don't want to say the old heads, but the people have been doing this for a long time in terms of how they've done it and what they think is possible and what they think risk-adjusted return is, et cetera. But, you know, so I think there might be some conversations that need to, be, to, to, that need to happen there, especially when you get into foundations, for example, right, where they have a mission to solve a certain problem. But they tend to think about that as only their grants, only 5% of what they're giving away. When you look at sort of like the, if I can use a bad metaphor, you know, fighting with one, you just talked about fight night coming up tomorrow night, right? Um, you know, one time I used this analogy to say, if you think about your assets as, you know, fighting with one hand tied behind your back, right? If you think about your assets as 100 hands, um, you're fighting with 95 of your hands tied behind your back, right? Because you're only using those 5%. But why wouldn't you, if that's your mission to solve poverty or solve healthcare-related issues, why wouldn't you leverage your assets over here to, uh, to, to, towards that cause? And again, I think those are things that make sense to people. It's just reframing a conversation around how do we think about investing, the, the processes that we use 
et cetera, that might get in the, in the way of people sort of moving in this direction. And so these are the two issues, the visibility issue and reframing the conversation issue is directly something that Impact PHL is trying to address. Yeah, yeah, I think it's engaging. And a part of it, when I say Impact PHL, it's not just me or even our board, but we're building a community, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think part of this is every investor, high net worth individual, family office, foundation, not just with those categories, but within those categories, everybody's a snowflake. Everybody comes from somewhere, how, much, how many assets they have, what issues they care about how they invest their money or don't invest their own money or what role they want to have or how they see the world or what they want to do. So part of connecting in with an organization like Impact PHL is in connecting with other people who you can learn from, share from, co-invest with, learn from, et cetera. I also think, I think one of the things I like to remind people is sometimes you can do stuff with your investments. This kind of goes back to the last point is sometimes you can do stuff with your investments that you can't do with your philanthropy, right? So like investing in a, a company that is bringing a health solution to market, right? Um, a, a, most likely a nonprofit's not going to be able to do that. There's a great example here recently without getting too long-winded of uh, a high net worth family whose daughter has anaphylactic food allergies and a local company called Hanimune Therapeutics that is creating solutions to food allergies. And once I told them about each other, boom, great fit, right? And so the idea of, you know, investing and returns and all this other stuff goes out the window when you're talking about the life and death of a family member, you know, or investing in diverse businesses as a systemic long-term solution to, you know, building wealth in those communities or poverty, as opposed to the, you know, every year donating to try to dig us out of this hole that we've dug. And I I have talked to multiple investors um, who are, uh, by their own words, quote, tired of putting a bandaid on things and want to get to long-term systemic solutions on things. Now, absolutely love this mission of building a community for to you know to get to those long term systemic solutions that you just talked about so it's very clear that impact phl is trying to promote this brand of place based impact investing right and so i'd be curious to know if what other parts of the world has this model been also implemented and in your opinion right what works about this and this model and what doesn't work about it yeah, and I, I think, you know, this idea of building a local ecosystem, I still, I think is, we're still part of the early few, maybe. I know there's an effort up in the Great Lakes region. I know there's a statewide initiative down in Georgia. I'm sure there are others that I've, I've probably even talked to. I've gotten calls as far away as Amsterdam calling us to learn more about what we're doing, right? Because we're not membership-based. We are trying to build an ecosystem uh, at a very local level. And so I think that's, um, fairly new. Then you have chapters of Investor Circle, which I think there are at least uh, a dozen or two cities across the U.S. that have local chapters of Investor Circle. But just this idea that more broadly you're going beyond any particular group, any particular network, and just trying to—I mean, I'll talk to anyone who has a 401k uh, about this idea. But um, you know, that I think is—I uh, think we're on the on the front edge of that. I don't want to say we are the leader, but I think we're on the front edge of that, and certainly learning lessons. And that's why I come back to what works and what doesn't work. I think this idea of word of mouth is critical. You know, a billboard on 95 or social media, I think, can only go so far. Certainly, we have a presence on social media. But we're talking about people's money. We're talking about changing how they think about their money. We're talking about reframing this. And I think that comes from you have to have trust. It has to be progress at the speed of trust in 
who you're talking to, whether you, uh, there's credibility in that person, in that group, and leaning into what they're saying. But I'll remind people that this idea of investing in your own community, I think, is fairly self-evident. It just needs, from there, it needs guidance and direction and, and peer support. Got it. And very interesting that you talked about how word of mouth is so important and building credibility is so important, right? And I think that comes with great, like, great institutions being also involved in the cause. In Philadelphia, one of the great institutions is the University of Pennsylvania. And in your opinion, how can different actors in UPenn, the students, teachers, management, how can they be more involved in solving the problem here and promoting local impact investing in Philly? Well, you've got a lot of really smart people over there uh, and resources. And, uh, you know, I said earlier, the, the products and services for investing in your own community isn't anywhere near as developed as the traditional finance industry that makes it, you know, takes money out of local communities and directs it to Wall Street, right? Much easier to buy Vanguard, Tesla, Apple, BlackRock than it is to invest in local opportunities, uh, which sounds kind of crazy, actually, um, to say that out loud and to, and, and to do that. But I can... I can make an investment from scratch in any of those in about 20 minutes. Um, but the idea of investing in my own community is much more convoluted and complicated. So, you know, I always say to people, there's a highway built to Wall Street, but if you want to invest in your own community in an intentional way, you've got to go off-road through the mud on an ATV. So I just want to acknowledge that it's not as easy to people as we engage them. And yet, um, it's still something that is, is critical. Certainly, crowdfunding and, you know, CDFIs are one option, but I'd love to see the bright minds at Wharton be thoughtful about not just here in Philly, but more systemically, how do we make it easier? Certainly, there's some some things coming online as well now, um, you know. Uh, but how do we make it easier for people who are investing in things they care about to invest in their own community? And you know, I don't know if it'll ever get to the um, the level that it is now in terms of like how how easy to invest in public markets. Um, I think there are some, some systemic challenges in that. But if we can make it easier, I think that there is a demand there. And I'm sure. And I'll, and I'll, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. I'll, I'll just add, you know, obviously on a local over here, the other, just to fully answer your question, uh, you know, to plug into Impact PHL and what we're doing here, um, we certainly welcome uh, any of the folks that listening to this podcast from the Warden community to plug into Impact PHL and the work that, not just the work that we're doing, but the folks that are here in our community doing work, the funds, the social enterprises, driving investment into local community, et cetera. No, I was just going to say that only. Right? I'm sure our listeners at Wharton and UPenn would resonate after this episode and taking that high road and that difficult road towards building that community in in Philadelphia. Now, let's let's talk a little more about the impact sectors in Philly, right? What are some of the sectors that are gaining traction right now from investors and how do you expect this to change in the next few years? It's a good question. I think looking back in recent history, COVID, climate change, and, and you know racial justice reckoning after um, George Floyd was sort of a perfect storm that led people to having new and different conversations. Um, it certainly led a lot of people to our door as those conversations took place in the boardroom, at the dinner table, on the golf course, or what have you. Um, people showing up at our front door, just looking to to see things and, and do things differently. You know, I think direct ties to that that came from those conversations was racial and social justice 
alleviating poverty. Uh, you know, Philly is the poorest big city in the country. Affordable housing, um, social determinants of health and education. I think those are the hot buttons from the investor side of things. You know, here in Philadelphia, and you know, those are obviously some of Philadelphia's biggest challenges. So, instinctively, it makes sense. And as I said earlier, we're sort of the perfect petri dish for this. So, those are the answers. I, I'm not sure how it changes in the next few years at this point, um, other than to say, I think the more that we can get the dollars aligned with the, the bright minds and the, the, the entrepreneurs that are committed to the issues, the more we can enable, enable that to happen. Because I think we have a lot of those ideas and the people that want to pursue, but obviously, um, you know, every business needs the capital to go pursue it. No, that's super interesting to hear. And I do agree that issues of social inequality and injustice are some of the hot topics. And like, I think solving for these can really transform the face of the city. And speaking of which, now we have, I know Impact PHL has Total Impact Summit coming up very shortly. Do you, do you want to tell our listeners about that and what to look forward for that? Sure. That's uh, May 1st and 2nd this year. This will be our fourth time hosting it. Um, we hosted it twice before the pandemic and then brought it back last May. Uh, this is really a national level event. Most of our work at Impact PHL is really focused on the local ecosystem. But this particular event, um, I think, has stepped onto the national stage. We have national level speakers um, every year. And this year, our tagline is investing in people, planet, and place. So it kind of brings in the people and planet aspect of the broader ecosystem with place as something, a lens through which we want investors to see their investments. So that, all of that will be weaved in. It's not particular to any particular impact area or any particular um, investment class. So we'll be talking about public equities and private equity and real estate and social enterprise and funds, and, you know, you name it. Um, the full agenda will be released next week, um, probably by the time your listeners hear this, maybe out. Um, and we'll have, you know, 300 plus people in the room from all across the country, certainly a heavy representation from Philadelphia and the Mid-Atlantic. And I think it's the feedback that we've heard is that the conversations taking place at Total Impact, so the content of the event, um, is something that people don't see elsewhere, right? So they, I had one person tell me, when I go to other events, I just go to the network. But when I come to Total Impact, I go to the sessions because you guys are really having deeper conversations that are maybe being had elsewhere. So um, certainly welcome anyone from the Wharton community um, to plug into that. And you know if they're interested in attending you know, the, there's information on the website, but um, if there's a group, as I said to you prior, um, we'd be happy to um, put together a group rate. Now, and I'm sure people from the Wharton and Penn community who are involved in social impact would be super interested in the Total Impact Summit. Now, Corey, lastly, you know, given that this is a social impact based podcast and given the nature of our listeners, right, I was wondering if you could talk about a moment in your career specifically where you thought you were truly making this world a better place? Yeah, I feel very, very fortunate in my role uh, at sort of the tip of the spear in that I'm talking to people one-on-one that are in those roles that own or have influence over capital. And very humble to say that I often hear, Corey, you give me a lot to think about. This is interesting. I, I hadn't thought about things that way. Um, and so I feel pretty fortunate about 
my role and my ability to hear that kind of feedback. And I get that regular kind of feedback. Last year, I had one person that I talked to actually right after our Total Impact Summit. We had a two-hour conversation. Um, and at the end of it, he said, uh, this is an ultra high net worth person from the from the region who said, you know, um, and I didn't know about him before and he didn't know about us before coming to Total Impact. But at the end of that conversation, he said, this is what's been missing for my life. I'm all aboard the Impact PHL train. And about, uh, it's not even a year now, that person's already mobilized significant capital into multiple local impact investments here in the region. So that's, you know, in, in terms of your question, in terms of making a difference, um, you know, on a grassroots level here, very one-to-one on a personal way. Um, you know, I'm very fortunate um, and consider myself lucky to be, not only be able to do that work, but be able to see the outcomes in a very tangible way. And a, a lot of this is going to be long-term systemic over a long period of time, but some of it can be shorter term. Got it. Do you want to talk about, like, elaborate a bit more on any of these conversations for us to hear about? I mean, I'm, I'd be happy to. I don't know if this will, maybe this will be something you want to cut from your podcast. Um, but, you know, some of this stuff really comes down to those stories, right? And so I, I alluded earlier to the family and, and you know, the, the fact that their daughter had an anaphylactic food allergy and then saying, you know, that's that's like a moment where, uh, you know, whether it's, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of a good analogy, but when you see an opportunity in front of you and you get kind of excited because you're like, Hey, do you do you guys know about Hanamian and what they're doing? And it's because it's a perfect fit, right? Or you have that investor who says, "This is, uh, you know, like I said, it's self evident." So that person I just talked to you about, when they say, "I'm all aboard the Impact PHL train," this makes sense to me. I want to do it. This is what's missing from my life. You know, those are the slam dunks. But there's lots of other folks out there who, maybe in more of a longer term, graduated sense. They, they, it makes sense. They've got to do some learning or they have to find the right opportunity. And maybe I don't have that right opportunity up front, but they're tuned to North Signal, right? And so over time, another example that just came to me was someone else, Women's Community Revitalization Project here in Philadelphia. They're a nonprofit. They build um, affordable housing for low-income families and veterans, et cetera. And I had one other investor contact me and say, hey, I knew about the organization. I didn't know they were investable because they borrow money. Investors to build that housing. So that was another one where you're saying, okay, so we're doing this work that's even though you knew about the organization, you didn't know about the investment opportunity, right? And so those are the opportunities. Um, those are the three that come to mind right off the top of my head. Yeah, I, I'm thinking of others, but you know, there's another gentleman who showed up at our front door uh, maybe like two years ago and he said, hey, I, I want to do something differently. I don't know what that looks like, but I was referred to you by so and so. And he and I had multiple hour-long conversations where I was just, you know, quizzing him on what do you want? What's geographically where you focused? Because I don't want to assume local. And but he said, yes, local. I want local. And okay, great. What issues do you care about? And in his own words, he just said, I want to improve people's lives. It was that that uh, I'll use the word generic. Right. It wasn't SDG number two and three. It wasn't (laughs) poverty, right? It was just I want to improve people's lives. So just walking through with him. Sometimes I use the word, I, I describe myself as a sommelier, right? Because I know about where the investable opportunities are locally and what impact they have. And so now I'm talking to someone, I can kind of, do you like that? Does that taste good? Do you like this one better? What do you feel? And, and as I do that, I can say, all right, you, you might want to learn more about this one, or you might want to contact so-and-so to learn more about that and see if it's a good fit for you. So, I mean, that's really inspiring, right? Because you're not 
you're having these conversations with people who either come with like specific uh, problems such as affordable housing or healthcare or someone who's a blank slate and then guide that person towards finding that that problem that they want to solve. I think this is super great to hear, super inspiring. Hori, it was a pleasure having you on our podcast and we had a great time today. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. Thanks for the opportunity. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wharton Impact Podcast. If you found this episode interesting, please give us your feedback on the Wharton Social Impact Club's Instagram page and spread the word about us on social media. For more content on the intersection of business and impact, please subscribe to our podcast. This is your host, Shaura Manhotra, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.